Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I'm Jonas. I hear from Munich. Actually, I'm from the east of Germany. That's why I have a funny accent, and people make a lot of fun of that. Um, I'm not going to show off the German version of that accent. Um, and this session is called Task of Our Generation, Leading for Generation XYZ. We don't even really know what that is. Um, generation XYZ. But uh, maybe a trick question for you all. Who feels young? Okay. Very good. Okay. Because that means you are not allowed to go back to Candy Crush on your phone. Um, because this session is for you. But also, if you don't feel young or you don't consider yourself being part of this, this generation, don't tune out because we need you. And I've got a couple things where we absolutely need you and you are vital and important for the younger generation to actually come through. Um, and so, leading uh, often seems like something, I don't know, daunting and exhausting. It's a lot of work. Why should you do it? So. Why on earth aspiring to be a leader? Why becoming a leader? And a couple years ago, I came across a postcard in a restaurant and it asked the question, when did you feel most alive? And I pondered that question for a while and I was thinking about like traveling, going places and all this stuff. But I came back to one, one point in my life where I was at a, at a worship night and I was praying for someone and God was using this time to change this person's heart. And this was the moment I felt most alive. And there's something about um, these times when God uses us in his kingdom that just feel like life, like pure life. And that's one of the things that makes me like wanting to go in there, wanting to push into that and learning as much as possible. It's when prophetic words just fit, when prophetic words change lives in, in other people's lives, uh, when we are in God's presence, when we can feel his presence, um, when we pray and there's healing happening. It's a life with lasting impact. And so I looked at the story of Joseph, and it um, like, could be a story of Joseph, or you could also describe it. Uh, uh, we use memes in our, in our generation, so it can be described as, well, this escalated quickly. Um, because it's a, it's a story where things happen quite fast. And um, so the fine print of that is, uh, what are we signing up for? And I'm especially talking to like people g getting into leadership. What are we signing up for? What to expect? Um, because it's better to be prepared. And uh, I felt like one thing to say in the beginning, if you are a young person and you don't have a crazy story yet, don't be worried. Don't be intimidated by all these guys who stand here in the front and have these crazy stories of going through Mongolia, having a cheap crashing down or stuff like that. It's awesome, we need these stories, we love it. Uh, but I didn't have these stories and God still could use me, and God still can use you, and there's stuff to come. So don't be intimidated by that. Um, we all know the story of Joseph, like this guy who had these dreams in the beginning, then his brothers hated him, sold him to Egypt, then he made his way back up there, and then uh, was betrayed by the wife of his master, thrown into prison, and in the end, he eventually ended up being at the top of the country of Egypt and saving a lot of people uh, their lives. And so the first thing I want to look at is the whole topic of vision. Um, and that's something that really excites me about God. It starts with him. There's no way we can get ahead of God. So if we want to love God, cool, that's a goal. He loved us first. We can't, we can't get ahead of him. And the same thing with vision. Um, he has vision for our lives. 
even before we have even heard of the word or the concept of all this. And I love this about God. The Bible speaks about things that God has prepared for us, dreams he has for our lives and that he has given us. And when we look at, at Joseph's life, he has these dreams uh, at the beginning of his life. Um, and that can be intimidating because not, not every one of us has these dreams. Okay, so now I'm already in my 20s and, so I'm not, I'm already, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so maybe you are in the middle of your 20s and you didn't have this experience when you were like 12 and you think there's something missing. No, again, don't be intimidated by that. Because the thing is, and it's the first question that we have, how to get vision, it's not something we can make God do to us. We don't decide how God gives us vision. Um, it's something that God decides. He decides the when and the how he's going to do it. But at the same time, vision is so important. At least for me, I, I over the years noticed how much I needed it just to go on. Because, yeah, leadership can be exhausting, can be tough at some times, and it's so important that we have a vision. So how do we get it? If we can't make God give it to us, what can we do? And I think there's two things that we can do, and one of the things uh, Tyron already told us yesterday, and it is to seek God and to ask him, dreaming with God. There is, in my opinion, no way around spending time with God. There is no shortcut. We can't do that. And so all these things we, we learned in, in like Sunday school, like spending time with God, having our quiet time, it is vital. We need that. It is so important, and there's no way around that. Um, Jesus himself said, I can't do anything of my accord, but I do what I see the Father do. So we need to be close to God in order to see what he's doing. And what I think is, uh, the closer we get to God, the more we, we see his heart, the more we see how he thinks, the more we grasp his heart and his um, idea for his kingdom, and the more we'll also understand how we fit in, what our place is, and the more we'll grow with a vision for what we're actually doing. Uh, Psalm 37 verse 4 says, like, delight yourself in the Lord your God, and he will give you the desires of your heart. One of the translations says, he will put his desires in your heart. So one of the things that we can do to get vision is to just be extremely close to God and delight ourselves, spend time with God, be close to him and learn his heart um, for people around us. And we'll find our place. And also for, for young people and maybe also old people, just try a lot of things. There's, there's no way around that. We just have to try a lot of things. We have to fail. Uh, and that's good. Um, second thing we can do, we can surround ourselves with people that have vision and that are close to God. If you know a prophet, follow him. Eventually, he'll have a word for you. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's what I loved in, in, in my journey. I had a lot of people around myself who just loved God and who were visionary, and that rubbed off on me. So being here at this conference is already like the right thing to be, to get inspired, to get vision. Because this is, this is where we get the ideas, where we get to see God's heart. It is really good to have an equip. <laughs> okay, what do we do with, now we've got vision from God, what do we do with it? Uh, we've seen what happens if we tell it to other people. Um, so that didn't go well for Joseph. Um, the question that I have is, do we have trust-filled relationships? Do we have people around us that love God and that we trust and that trust us? And the thing is, that's not something that comes from nothing. It's not something that just happens. It's something we have to build. It's something we have to push into. 
um, building friendships, building also relationships with our leaders, uh, people that are older than us, and also people that are younger than us. When I was 18, I made, I made this uh, conscious decision to build friendships. Why? Because I saw people way older than me being super alone. And I thought, like, if I'm becoming a leader, I don't want to be as alone as these people are, because this is going to kill me. And I started building friendships that I'm incredibly uh, grateful for now, because I can share my dreams, my visions with these people, and I know they will tell me if I'm thinking rubbish, and they'll also tell me if I should go for something. And it's a safe place to share this. Having people who speak into our lives is absolutely invaluable, and we need to build these trust-filled relationships. And the last question that I have is not so much for young people, um, but more people in responsibility. How do we react if someone comes to us with a big vision? Can we put our ego aside and not be intimidated by other people who have maybe a bigger vision than ourselves? Um, do we actually help these people to navigate through it? I had a guy coming to me, um, he wasn't even 18 years old, and he came to me and he shared with me his, his big dreams, and it was in, in like being an artist and music and all this. It would have been really easy for me to just be like, yeah, I do music, I know a little bit about that, um, and you think you're going to be that big and all this. Um, luckily, I could listen through, through his story, and he has a great vision. Um, and at some point, I felt God telling me, hey, ask him about this area in his life. And we started talking, and we got right into something that God wanted to do in his life. And from that, a relationship developed, a friendship developed. And I've been blown away of what God has done um, in, in the time after that in his life. And the steps he's taken, the things he's grown in character. What do we do when people come with big visions to us? Um, can we help them to navigate through them? All right. Second big point, um, I've learned at NCMI conferences that you can have as many points as you want, uh, as long as you hide them in three major points. So, <laughs> um, that's, that's what I'm trying. Second big point, challenges. Uh, we love that word, challenges. Yeah, I've got a challenge for you. But what we actually mean is, hey, I've got some difficulties for you. I've got some trouble for you. I've got some, some torture, some, some suffering for you. Um, and we often try to hide these things into challenges. Yeah, my life has been challenging. Actually, I've been suffering. Um, Jesus said this in John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Um, and it's, it's, it's also one of the major aspects of Joseph's life. I mean, this guy was sold into slavery. This guy was betrayed. Uh, and it must have been incredibly hurtful. Um, so why on earth would we sign up for that? Why on earth would we get into that? Um, and my message, and I've put this question up there, is why is it a good thing? And I'm on a little bit of thin ice here, because um, tough times, I don't want them for anyone. I don't wish them for anyone. And I know people who went through a lot harder things than I have been through in my life. And I have great respect for that. And I'm, I'm not saying that all these things that are happening are good. But what I'm saying is that these tough times, going through them with God, will produce something in us that no one can take from us. And so my message also for young people is, don't be scared when tough times come, but be ready for that. Um, why on earth would we sign up for that? It changes us. At the same time, it makes us stronger and softer. And at the same time, it changes our hearts and it changes our relationship to God. 
Um, it's actually funny because the, the, the story that's often preached is from Joseph's dad when he wrestles with God. It's a couple chapters before Joseph's story. And there's a night where Jacob wrestles with God. And in the end, and it's been preached in NCMI circles a couple times, in the end it says like he dis this angel or God, whoever Jacob wrestled with, uh, he displaced his hip and he had a limp. And I've heard uh, Ray Oliver preaching about it, and I think Rob also. If I consider someone to be part of my leadership team, I'm looking for a limp. I'm looking for this time when this person has wrestled with God. And when I first heard this message about it, uh, I was, I think, like 21 or 22, and I was wondering, okay, God, um, where's my limp? Um, because up to that time, honestly, my life was good. The worst thing that happened to me until then was failing my first practical driver's exam. Um, other than that, I had a good life. Um, but what I didn't know was, at this time when I was sitting there at a, at a leadership training and these guys talking about it, I was like right at the start of the most terrible time of my life that went on for a while. Uh, long story short, I fell in love. It didn't turn out well. And, um, and it, it went on. It was a lot of up and down. And I couldn't sleep at nights. And I, I really had to wrestle with God. Because honestly, I was convinced that that was the way for me to go. I was convinced that that was the girl I was uh, supposed to end up with. Um, uh, and it wasn't. And I had to wrestle with that sword. I had to wrestle with it. I had to wrestle with God. And I had to lose. Uh, that's a very important point. Yeah, we have to lose when we wrestle with God. Um, and the, the thing about it is, what do we do when we get into these challenges? And I could very much relate to what Steve said yesterday. Uh, he said, like, sometimes I go on walks with God, and like on the way there, I complain and I tell him everything that's difficult and difficult, and then on the way back, God's like, hey, it's not so bad. And I experienced that during these times. I went on so many walks, because I can't, couldn't really concentrate on things, so I, uh, luckily, it helped when I prayed. Um, and this time is my biggest testimony because God gave me freedom. God healed it completely. And I never thought it would be possible, but God did it. And it's something no one can ever take away from me. So what do we do when we get into these difficult situations? I heard someone say, when you're going through hell, don't stop. That's the worst thing to do. But we carry on, and we see that in, in Joseph's life. Um, when he was sold into slavery, he didn't give, give up on his life. He went on. He went on to be a faithful servant, and he made his way back up. People trusted him. And then he was thrown into prison. And then it even says, like, hey, in the prison, the guards trusted him. Why? Because God was with him. Um, trust God to be with you when we're going to, through difficult times. And again, I don't want anyone to go through difficult times. And probably not every difficult time is meant to be there. But going through it with God will change our lives. Um, and funny enough, in those times that were the most difficult in my life, these were the times when it was most unexpected, but God showed me that he wanted me. These were the times when God showed me uh, he wants to use me. These were the times when God uh, increased responsibility in my life. Uh, in my life. Hmm, I only have one life. <laughs> so far. Um, yeah, let's wrestle with God, but let's stay as close as possible to him. Um, what can we do today to prepare ourselves building friendships? Uh, I'm incredibly grateful for all the friendships that I had and people who helped me, who listened to the same story of me complaining about things again and again and were encouraging me to go on. It's invaluable. We need that. At the same time, from the other side, 
What do we do when we see people going through that? Do we help them and explain to them what's happening? Um, do we help them? Are we, are we able to just listen again and again to situations where people maybe got themselves into because they were immature? That's fine. Uh, we're growing. Last point. Uh, character building. Um, isn't that nice? That's one of the most fun parts of leadership. Um, when we look at Joseph's life, I'm going to go through quickly through three things from his life. And there's this, this verse in uh, 41, Genesis 41, verse 38. And the Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? What a compliment. So if there's something that, that I would want to reach for my life, it's like getting to that level that other people recognize God's Spirit inside of me. Um, because that's, that's another level. If people can actually see it in my life. And so what I think, uh, what, what Joseph developed was an awareness that God was with him. Because throughout the story, it says again and again, God was with him, God was with him, God was with him. And uh, that can seem a little bit arrogant, because um, honestly, how can we say that God is with us? I mean, we are not that important. We, we should be with God, right? Um, and maybe sometimes like there's this misconception that God doesn't approve of, of everything that we do, but still he promised to never leave us. Um, so how is our awareness? Are we actually, when we're going to school, when we're going, I'm not going to school anymore, um, when we're going to work, when we're going to university, when we're meeting with friends, how is our awareness of God being with us? Do we actually know that who is with us? Uh, in German we say, uh, du hast ein Mitlaufen. Um, it's a German expression of saying like you've got someone walking next to you, but it's more like if, you, if you're drunk. Um, <laughs> And I've got a friend uh, and, uh, from, from the States, and she's probably the most, um, I don't know, yeah, it's maybe a little bit crazy, but she is extremely obedient to God, and God uses her uh, in, in crazy ways. And God has given her access to uh, people who are super rich and super powerful. And so I've asked her, how do you handle that? Like, what do you do when you're sitting there with these, like, intimidating, super powerful and super rich people? And she's doing Bible study with them. Um, and the one thing she said that really stuck with me is, I constantly have to remind myself that I'm still the richest person in the room. There's nothing to add to that. Um, and it, and it really inspired me. And it, it reminded me, yes, there's, there's so much that we're actually carrying, uh, carrying when we're going out to other people, when we're going to work. Uh, we have God with us. And I think one of the things that came out in Joseph's life then is he knew that he couldn't do anything by himself, but he knew God was with him, and by that he could do things. So when people came to him and were like, hey, we have these dreams, no one can interpret them, he was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's God's way to interpret these dreams, but please tell me because God is with me. And so he was confident that God would speak to him and God would use him. Second big thing in, in Joseph's life is integrity. And uh, for me, that's like really closely related to fear of God and obedience. And there's, we know this story. Um, he is, serves in his master's home, and his master's wife uh, tries to seduce him. In the end, she just grabs his clothes and says, like, he wanted to sleep with me, and he is thrown into prison. But the thing is, uh, when she tries to seduce him, he is telling her, hey, how could I sin against God? He's not saying, like, 
hey, I mean, he is super faithful to his master, yeah? He had, like, integrity, and uh, Alex has spoken about that yesterday. Uh, it's so important. Um, but he says, like, how on earth could I sin against my God? He had such a fear of God and wanted to respect him, and God is honoring that. Um, a little later, when his brothers come, uh, there's a situation where he's like, do this and that, and for I fear God. So his reasoning is, I fear God, that's why you should trust me. Um, and our integrity, our fear of God, and our obedience to God will be questioned again and again. Um, they are quite closely connected. And I could tell some stories about some young people, younger than me, that God has placed around me in the last couple of years that are just examples of integrity, examples of fearing God, and God uses that. It, he uses it by giving them um, uh, influence in other people's lives, by helping them through life, healing them, like crazy stuff, yeah? Um, I've got friends, they, they fasted for 21 days in the middle of winter, and um, they didn't tell anyone about it. They didn't make a big fuss about it. The outcome of that, one of them was healed of being allergic to wheat, and she could eat bread again. Uh, God just honors when we are chasing after him, when we're full of integrity, when we're fearing him. And uh, so often, and, and Wojtek also mentioned it, it's so important. Often these areas are sex, money, and power. And we need to be really ready for that. Um, yeah. Last thing in Joseph's life. A love for others. Um, at the end of his life, his brothers come to him and he re finally reveals himself to them and says, like, hey, I'm Joseph, I'm your brother. And they could be really scared because he's the most powerful man there. And he could easily, like, send them to prison or get them killed or anything like that. But he has no bitterness. He had learned how to forgive. Um, he had learned that um, to see the bigger picture and context. So he saw that God was actually using him to save a lot of people. He had peace with it, and he forgave them. And I think, uh, so we've got this, this chapter in the Bible, like 1 Corinthians 13, and it talks about uh, the love and like how important it is. And Paul calls it the most excellent way. And he doesn't say that just like because he thinks that's a cool thing to say. Um, I think like if we don't learn how to love people and the people that we lead, we're not gonna be very good leaders. Um, and that's one of the things that these tough times do to us. Our hearts get softer. If I didn't go through some tough times in, in the last 10 years, I would be super judgmental. I would be arrogant, I would be judgmental. Um, but throughout like time, time and time again, and through examples of people uh, that God has placed around me, God has showed me a little bit more of how to love people. And it makes such a difference. Um, even when, even when uh, their father died and they were like scared of, oh no, now Joseph is going to kill us, now he's going to do something about it. He comes to them and says like, no, I can see that God had a bigger purpose for my life. I can see how God used me. What you meant for evil, he meant for good. Because he is above everything. And Joseph just learned that God is just bigger than all the things that are happening. And he could look past all these things. Yeah. I think I'm going to stop here because now we're going to come to a much better uh, and much uh, much more important stuff that Claire has to say. I'm actually really excited about that. Hi, guys.
great to be here. It's nice to see all of you again. Um, I'm Claire. A few of you know me already. Um, I'm a nurse. I work with children who have congenital heart defects, and we take care of them their whole lives. So it's challenging, but it's fun. And so as a nurse, are you guys okay? You guys good? You good? Great. Let's get into this. Um, I really want to talk to the next generation. And by that, I don't want to talk about age. I want to talk about the next generation of leaders. Um, but I also want to talk to the guys that are here that have come. Um, Joel, Eddie, um, Ethan, Daniel. It's just so, so cool that you guys are here. Let's talk. Let's get into it. Let's talk about what our task is, what we're going to be doing. Yeah? Let's do this. Um, I've had the privilege of growing up in some wonderful churches and learning so much. And I really want to talk about um, how we, through partnering with you guys, can take this on. And how we can, through partnering with you, um, go the next step and go further. And so I want to use two examples from the Bible. Um, Joshua and Moses and Elijah and Elisha. My dad told me not to mess up those names. <laughs> so here I am. Um, yeah, but what's really on my heart is, guys, we've heard so much about um, the nations and about the unreached. And the thing is, that's on us. We're the ones going to be reaching them. We're the next ones. And we cannot sit around waiting for someone else to take it on because this is on us. But what I really want to encourage you with is that we're not in this alone. We don't have to start from square one, from ground zero. We have this wealth of knowledge and experience and wisdom in front of us, and we can use it. So let's talk about that. Um, let's start with Joshua. The very first mention we have of Joshua is Joshua as a warrior in Exodus 17, verse 9. Um, so Moses says to Joshua, choose, from us, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill and the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with a sword. Here, let's look at the attitude of Joshua. He was given, he was entrusted with a task from his leader. He was, um, and he obeyed. He went out and he did it, and he was victorious. And guys, it's sometimes we're entrusted with the hard work, the thing, the in the trenches, the practical tasks. And it's, um, it's, it's about getting here earlier. It's about setting up. It's about being the last one to leave. It's about the hard work. And guys, I've seen you, and I want to say thank you for all that you've been doing um, at this conference. Um, it might also be tasks that scare us, right? What if they give you tasks that aren't necessarily in your natural gifting, but out of obedience we say yes. And I want to encourage you, when our natural instinct is to say no, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm in IT. I'm going to stick with sound. That's my, that's my area. That's my comfort zone. What if they entrust us with a need in the church? And what if we say yes? Let's see what God will do with that. When I joined this church in Munich, um, my previous, in the previous churches, I've worked as a youth leader. I've led some home groups. I've been in the worship team. And I would say maybe those are my comfort zones. So when I joined this church, I thought, you know what? Let's see what God will do. And, and I went to them and I said, okay. Um, how can I serve? And um, and also I went to God with it. And there was two there were two say openings one in the youth leadership and and one with children's ministry just to serve as a, as a teacher. And um, they said so these are the two openings. And so I went to God with it. And 
I really felt him put children's ministry on my heart. And I'm telling you guys, children are scary. If you think preaching in front of you guys is tough, try keeping the attention of a three-year-old. <laughs> Um, and I really felt God put the children on my heart. So I said yes. And for the, in the beginning, I was just um, a teacher, and it was wonderful and a lot of fun. And within a few months, I became the leader of the children's ministry. And I cannot say that I have, I have reached the place of comfort yet. I am struggling. And it has been the most challenging and most humbling experience of my life. But guys, when we say yes, we reach that sweet spot of when in our weakness, he is strong. And I'm learning, and I'm growing, and I'm making mistakes. And I think my leaders can attest to that, that um, and the amount of times I've come to them in tears. But I want to say thank you for entrusting, it to, um, entrusting this task to me. So guys, let's say yes, even when it's not in our natural gifting. Um, Joshua, the assistant, and my dad touched on this as well. Um, in Exodus 24, we'll start with verse 12. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I might give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, wait for us here until we return to you. And that's all that's mentioned of Joshua. I don't know what he did. He was there. I don't know, but he was there. He was with Moses. He was probably carrying the bags, maybe some snacks, <laughs> making sure Moses had enough to drink, um, making his bed. I don't know what he was doing, and I don't know how far the, up the mountain he went, but he was there. And I think that is so key for us. Guys, we need to be intentional about spending time with our leaders. We need to say, hey, I'm coming up the mountain with you. I will carry your bags. I will make you that cup of coffee. I will be there. Because I'm sure he heard the voice of God. And I'm sure he felt the presence of God. And it's so key that we are intentional about our relationships with our leaders. And uh, we need to also be available. In our busy world where career and study and all that is so important, what about making time, being available? It might mean that on the Friday evening where all our other friends are going out, let's be available. Let's be available for that weekend trip. Let's be available for, let's spend our school holidays going to the outer ends of the world. And even if it's just to learn, even if it's to sit and be in the presence of these guys and to learn and to listen and to pray with them, Guys, it's so valuable, um, and it'll be it'll be sometimes small things. Picking them up from the airport and those twenty minutes drive, you can use that time because you have twenty minutes of their full and undivided attention. Ask the difficult questions, ask the important questions. Um, the fifteen minutes of um, driving Chanel and Haman back home, I was blessed, and I and I would do it again. Um, <laughs> um, now let's go to Joshua the worshiper and I think this is such a key key part and this is something God's really been speaking to me about um, it's in Exodus 33 11 the Lord thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend when Moses turned again into the camp his assistant Joshua the son of Nun a young man would not depart from the tent hey you guys he was there in the presence of God. And um, 
This time in the tent is so, so important, the time that we spend in his presence, but also how we are learning from our leaders, how they spend time with God, how they wrestle through things, how they pray, um, how they lead a meeting. Um, it's so important, but most importantly, it's about us, and it's about when we're in seasons of maybe waiting and of preparation, the time in the tent will prepare us for what God's got. It's that time in the tent um, that will equip us and it will give us vision for the future. Um, yeah, so let's not make small this time in the tent. of Maybe it's the waiting. It's behind the closed doors where no one can see you. But those are the key times. So let's let's spend time there. Let's um, yeah, let's really make time for our, our time in the tent. Before I get to the end of their story, I'd like to talk about Elijah and Elisha. Um, Elisha is a radical example for me. And in this preparation, I was really challenged. And God's been asking me some tough questions as well about my life. So let's get into his, their story. Um, in 1 Kings 19... Oh, sorry, from 19. Um, we start with Elijah, but we'll see where Elisha is now. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he rose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Wow. The attitude of Elisha. I love, I love his attitude. He was in motion. He was not sitting around waiting for God to call him. He was in motion. Um, and he was learning valuable life lessons um, while he was doing in plowing that field. My dad already talked about um, growing up on the ranch and learning how to repair cars and how that then equipped him in, in um, Germany. I trust that God will use my um, nursing one day in the nations. And I know that I'm learning valuable um, life lessons in that ward because I have to, I'm learning people skills and how to interact with children and teenagers and adults and their parents. I'm learning to, um, about responsibility and caring and owning that responsibility for other people's lives. I'm um, learning about teamwork and communication. I'm learning about flexibility. And you know what? When the whole day shift turns on its head and you're just glad that everyone's still alive by the end of the shift. But learning to make a plan of action no matter what comes your way. And I really trust that God will be able to use the things that I'm learning now um, in the future. Um, so this is the challenging part for me, the radical response he has. He went, when he had that call, when the cloak was placed on him, what did he do? He burned his way of making a living. He destroyed it. He cut, burned all those bridges. When the time comes, are we willing to burn it? Are we willing to cast it aside completely, despite what the world says to us about career, what the world says to us about success? Are we willing to say, no, I'm putting that aside? And he only joined as an assistant first, to assist and to learn. But despite that, he still took that step and said, 
I'm burning it. I'm leaving it behind me. And that is a radical response that we need from people today. Yeah. Um, so let me just check my notes. <laughs> so I think there's so much we can take from these stories and we can carry on. But I also want to leave room for ministry. But I also want to just summarize again. Hey, we need to be available and we need to be intentional about the relationships we are building um, because we have this wealth of knowledge and of wisdom and experience. And guys, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for the v battles you fought already. Because those are battles that we don't have to fight anymore. We will have our own battles, and I know we will. But thank you that we don't have to fight those. And young guys, we would be silly, we'd be fools if we do not learn, and if we do not stand on the shoulders of these men and women so that we can go further. So let's be so intentional, and let's be so intentional about... Um, the relationships we build, being intentional about the time that we give and um, and the time that it'll take. Sometimes we will be stuck behind closed doors when no one will see it, but that time is so valuable and do not be discouraged. Yeah, you guys are our heroes and we are looking and we are watching and we are learning and we are ready. So let's finish these two stories and this is where I will bring it to end. And where I'll hand it back to you, because when in, um, Joshua, end of Deuteronomy, now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses laid his hand on him. Second Kings 2, verse 9, when Elijah was taken up, Elijah asked, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Thank you.